All right, hello everybody. We are joined today by the co-founders of uh, Fiat uh, Spot and Futures Exchange, um, BT, uh, Bitsy. It's uh, BTSE, but you're supposed to say Bitsy. Um, the co-founders uh, Jonathan Long and Brian Wong are here uh, to discuss uh, the structure of the exchange, the products offered, the different features, and their upcoming token offering on the Liquid Network. Thanks for joining us, uh, John and Brian. How are you guys doing? Hey, Swapman. Uh, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Uh, we're doing good. Great. So nice to be here. Thanks. Okay. So what the, what we'll do is we'll run through a bunch of uh, questions, uh, just, uh, just us, and then um, and then we'll open it up to um, some of the respected uh, members of the community to uh, ask their own questions. Um, and um, <clears throat> okay, let's start with uh, some general background stuff. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, you know the company structure, where you guys are based, and uh, the headcount when you were founded, uh, and the backgrounds of the uh, key members? Uh, sure, I'll start off with uh, some of my background. I started out about 15 years ago, uh, mainly focused on building trading platforms for the uh, gaming and finance industries. Uh, my expertise over the past 15 years has been building systems that scale up to hundreds of thousands of concurrent users and uh, being able to deal with high volume transaction flow. Um, in the past seven years, I've been focused uh, more on venture building and uh, been building up ecosystems, um, primarily focused on uh, fintech. Joshua, our, our COO, he has uh, solid management experiences from his MNC days. Uh, he used to be GM at uh, IBM Global Services and uh, MD uh, at Cisco Systems Singapore. Uh, Brian, how about you? So I started my career about 10 years ago, and then I spent a past 10 years uh, also building uh, training system strategies uh, and also uh, 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 models. So a lot of what I used to do would uh, entail uh, building, let's say, spread or market making uh, training systems uh, that would be co-located at various exchanges around the world. Uh, I did that for about 10 years and then uh, I started Bitsy with Jonathan and a couple other co-founders uh, two years ago. Okay, so you guys got started up two years ago. Um, so what's your current headcount and where do you guys have offices located? You know, where are your team members working from generally? Um, all right, so we're currently incorporated uh, in the BVI. We just completed a move uh, from Dubai. Um, we currently have uh, offices out of Taiwan, Philippines, and Malaysia. Uh, total team size is about 50. Okay, um, so let's talk about this uh, move from Dubai to BVI. Um, I mean, what exactly happened there? Because uh, I guess I guess the first question is why, why did you choose Dubai in the first place? And then the second question would be what exactly went wrong there? Uh, the, apparently the Dubai authorities said that uh, you, it wasn't valid for you to operate in their jurisdiction. Uh, there's a lot of other kind of talk about the, how it was uh, not properly set up. What exactly went wrong there and uh, why choose BVI uh, and why choose Dubai in the first place? Uh, yeah, uh, good question. So we, we let me give you some background. In the bull run of 2017, um, we saw that most of the platforms out there was suffering from the ability to operate at full capacity and be able to um, onboard regular retail folk. So having the right um, fiat channels was, uh, was very important to us. And we did speak with a few consulting firms and it came back that Dubai they proposed was actually uh, one of the most suitable uh, options in the beginning. So we were advised that uh, Dubai was building up a regulatory framework uh, back then and uh, the current offering would suffice until uh, proper regulations uh, came to pass. The main point is that uh, Bitcoin is not really regulated uh, as of now uh, out of the UAE. So 
regulations and that uh, basically takes time to um, to you know get implemented. So a part of this was not entirely uh, clear in the beginning. So as it turned out, we realized that it was not uh, for our longer term goals. It was not really suitable, and the regulations that we were looking for never came to pass. So as a result, we decided to move to BVI as um, the BVI has been seen to be uh, very welcoming to cryptocurrency businesses in the past few years. Okay, has that impacted any of your banking relationships or anything like that? Uh, actually, no. So uh, banking is not limited right now to just um, the UAE. We have a couple other bank accounts uh, or banking facilities uh, across the world. Okay, and um, so what are the current KYC requirements and and restrictions related to that? Um, basically, there are no KYC requirements uh, currently for crypto to crypto trading. We do require KYC for access uh, for fiat deposits and withdrawals. Uh, the KYC required would be uh, government ID and proof of address. And um, what uh, restrictions do you have on uh, users' uh, jurisdiction, where they are based uh, geographically? Uh, uh, who can sign up, who's not allowed to sign up, etc.? At this time, uh, we do not serve U.S. Uh, residents, um, as well as uh, people coming from sanctioned countries. Okay, um, let's talk a bit about the tech stack that you guys are running. Um, you mentioned before that You've built systems that can handle hundreds of thousands of concurrent users and uh, lots of flow. Um, a lot of users uh, here have uh, been frustrated by BitMEX's performance, for example, where orders get rejected all the time and there's a lot of load problems there. Um, some people also have problems with their bit on that side of things. Could you describe what uh, tech stack you're using to run the engine and whether you're using microservices and other sort of ways to ensure that uh, we don't experience the sort of issues we've had with other exchanges? Yeah, um, so most of our, our major core components are actually built off of Java. A lot of um, components were actually built from scratch. So we took a very different approach rather than using um, open source solutions out there. Uh, it ended up uh, with us creating our own message queue, order routing nodes, uh, matching engine, and also rep data replication and uh, cluster management. So the result of that is basically we were able to achieve a very efficient performance um, with this design. Uh, we implemented a master-slave um, design that basically allows for fail failovers and hot upgrades on the core engine. Um, that would only suffer 100 milliseconds to uh, fail over. Our, each cluster uh, is also designed to run an individual market. So that really al allows for scaling across um, multiple markets if needed. And most importantly, uh, what's different is that the engine, the way uh, the engine is designed uh, is in a very efficient way of how the data structures are implemented. Uh, the main key feature to this is that as everything's in memory, uh, we are able to have easy access to references. Uh, and then that basically allows us to access you know, key components very quickly. Um, a typical approach would be someone using an RDBMS to do a matching engine. Let's say basing it off uh, MySQL, for example. But using such a generic out-of-box software, it was never built to perform and, and act as a matching engine. So that introduces a lot of inefficiencies um, in there. And also then, of course, you then suffer from um, network transmissions that you have to keep sending data and messages back and forth. Uh, so uh, customization of this and all the major components allow us to uh, then devise a way uh, for our own proprietary mechanisms to ensure data consistency uh, and high fault tolerance. 
Okay, that sounds that sounds good. Um, can you can you give us any some specific uh, benchmarks uh, to indicate how many orders you can process and how fast you can margin or anything like that? Uh, so what people generally measure is uh, transactions per second, but for us, we feel that that isn't an accurate uh, measure. What's more important is actually the amount of order requests uh, that you're able to handle. So we we measure hours from um, the time it hits the order routing nodes, it gets processed by the engine, it, it goes through risk management calculations uh, and does whatever it needs to do and it gets returned. Um, we are able to do at least a million um, order requests per second. So, so can you say that again? It's just one million orders per second. Uh, one million order requests per second. Order so you would assume, yeah. yes, you would assume that one order might not transact with another order, but one order could transact with a thousand orders. Right. Okay. Um, and where are the servers located? And do you use a cloud provider to to run them? Uh, most of our majority of our servers are based out of Taiwan. Uh, we are fully self-hosted. It gives us the flexibility to customize our hardware and also the, uh, have full control of our internal network architecture. Um, and uh, so no cloud providers and we actually also offer co-location services. And uh, how about connectivity with third-party tra third trading software? There's a lot of guys here that use uh, star software like uh, CCTX and others. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the support you have from third-party uh, software providers? So we recently just finalized uh, a latest version of our API, uh, and it's just been launched. So it's something that we're currently building up uh, more support in that area. We're also on the lookout for more devs to actually help build up uh, these third-party libraries. So you have, uh, API-wise, you have uh, REST, WebSocket, and FIX? Uh, we do not support FIX at the moment. Uh, we support REST and WebSockets. Okay, yeah. FIX would be good because a lot of these third-parties, they, um, they just use the FIX standard, so... Yes, yes. Um, uh, we've been also told uh, quite a bit, and that's something also we have in the pipeline. All right, let's let's talk about the how the assets of customers are stored and the the custody models you guys are using. Uh, Crypto-wise, um, what is your model for uh, how you're storing client funds? Are you using cold storage and a hot wallet? Uh, what's uh, what, what are you currently doing there for crypto? Uh, for crypto, right now, all client funds go directly to a multi-sig co-wallet and uh, funds are only transferred as needed uh, to the hot wallet. What percentage of the funds are at any time stored in cold? 99%. Uh, and, and what's the impact there of um, you know, how quickly users are able to withdraw um, their crypto? So if you have 99% stored in cold, and someone wants to pull out 100 BTC or 500 BTC. Um, how how quick are you guys to fill up the cold? Uh, the, sorry, the hot wallet um, in order to provide this uh, withdrawal. So basically, we refill the hot wallets as necessary. Uh, it's a bit more of a tedious process, but uh, this ensures a high level of security uh, that's uh, required. So. So generally, uh, based our our withdrawals are usually instant unless account is flagged for manual review. But um, occasionally, time to time, if um, there is insufficient funds in the hot wallet, then a bit of time might be required uh, for funds to be transferred from coal. So how many team members have access to the cold wallet in order to, to do this? Uh, only, sorry, uh, sorry, the question again? How many team members have access to the cold wallet in order to provide moving from cold to hot in order to facilitate a larger withdrawal? So I can't give the exact number, but uh, a small number uh, of people has access to that. A small number, okay. Um, 
And um, are there for unverified accounts limits on the withdrawals? Uh, no, so KYC is only required for fiat access. So if it's crypto to crypto, uh, no verific uh, no KYC is required. And, and no limitations on uh, on the amount of withdrawals. Uh, no limitations on deposits and withdrawals. Okay. Um, and how about the Lightning or Liquid support for deposits and withdrawals? Do you provide either of those? Uh, Liquid we support at the moment. Lightning is currently in the pipeline for development. Okay, and what about the fiat on the fiat side of things? Uh, which uh, currencies do you support, and um, and are there any restrictions on the use of the currencies by users? Um, no restrictions on on the currencies. Uh, we support nine currencies at the moment, and the main ones are dollar, euro, pound, yen, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, Australian, uh, Canada, and uh, AED. Uh, dirhams and uh, do you rely on uh, one bank or do you have multiple banks because there's been in the past issues with certain exchanges where especially when it comes to transferring us dollars around it has to be routed through a us correspondent bank and uh, sometimes the when it's crypto related the there's certain correspondent banks that aren't so friendly um so how's the uh, on and off ramp for for fiat in general uh, and yeah, how many banks are, are you using to, to do this? Well, I can't really say the amount of banks that we are, we are currently working with. We do have a few. Um, they are also dependent on the type of currencies being used. Uh, you've point out, uh, pointed out a very good point that most of um, the banks, um, that uh, most of the corresponding banks tend to be an issue in, in certain cases. Uh, yeah. And have you experienced any issues related to that? Yes, we have. <laughs> have you resolved the issues? Uh, yes. So we we do uh, have we do understand the due processes uh, required by uh, the banks and how important it is to maintain a proper AML policy. Uh, so yeah, we are all over. Um, we also have uh, good connections um, with um, Signature uh, that gives us access also in the US. So um, which transfer types do you support? Do you support SEPA for Euro, uh, faster payments for your pound, ACH for USD, uh, or is it only generic wires? Um, other than generic wires, we have SEPA support that should be coming in the next few weeks. Uh, that's mainly for uh, euro. Uh, nothing on the pound at the moment. Um, we are currently adding more payment gateways globally also, um, other than just the regular SWIFT and SIPA, uh, as well as support for credit card payments. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the, the products you guys offer then. Um, Let's start with the spot side of things. Uh, do you offer only spot or do you also offer margin trading on the spot exchange? So margin trading isn't available uh, at this time. Um, for spot right now, it's mainly focused on fiat, but we do have a new feature coming up soon. Uh, it's an um, all-in-one uh, multi-currency fiat and crypto single order book. The main purpose of that is to uh, basically uh, group all, aggregate all liquidity into one uh, order book. So how does it work now then? Because when you sign up at Bitsy, you have to choose which fiat currency you want to have as your, you know, main settlement currency. Does that mean that for all the nine fiat currencies you support, you have nine different order books currently for the different pairs? Uh, no, so it's all one one single order book at this at this point. A user is able to select um, when they start out what the default currency is. But in the next two weeks, we are launching an entire UI refresh, and users will have access to all currencies um, from the spot uh, interface. So, so that means they they no longer will have to select the currency when they register. That is correct. 
And so what is your current fee structure on the spot side of things? So Sorry, for the, the current fee structure, um, the taker maker side of things, how do you, uh, how do you structure that on spot products? Uh, maker, we are at uh, uh, five basis points and taker 10 basis points um, at the highest level. And what about the lowest level? Lowest level, uh, this is also before um, the implementation of uh, the BITC token that's uh, to come. Currently, it's um, one basis point and uh, 2.7 basis points. And so currently when you are, uh, if, if someone selected euro as their settlement currency and another guy selected the dollar and they're trading with each other, how do you then perform the conversion between the, the two currencies? So this is agnostic to the user, but we basically have treasury functions uh, that are connected by API to actually handle the real-time uh, conversions. So you're doing, you have a back office that's uh, doing the conversions and the clearing? Yes, that is correct. Okay, now uh, let's jump over to the more interesting uh, side of things, the futures product that you guys offer. Um, could you um, first tell us uh, uh, what the general contract specifications are and uh, and how uh, how that works? Okay, um, Brian, do you want to take point on this? Yeah, sure. So our, uh, the futures on Bitsy is um, uh, it's a bit different from most of the other exchanges uh, because fundamentally we have implemented uh, a linear future um, design. Um, so fundamentally, the underlying uh, settlement currency on our futures is actually US dollar. Uh, but we also still offer a, um, a, a multi-asset um, margin system. So uh, you can really pledge uh, any combination of fiat or crypto, such as uh, BTC or stablecoin as your um, margin collateral when you trade futures. And then on the PL side, you can also choose to settle in uh, any... Um, uh, major uh, uh, crypto or, or fiat. So uh, fundamentally, it's a US dollar settled future, but then you can also choose to settle in BTC. So in other, in other words, um, you can deposit ETH, Monero, BTC, and USDT, and they, can all, they all will be able to be used as collateral in a position on any of the contracts. Yes, that's correct. And, uh, and we also support cross-wallet function too. So, and then, so, so um, in terms of how the margin is, uh, is being isolated or crossed, uh, you have one main wallet, which is used for, like, to cover all positions in all different pairs, but then you also have the ability to isolate collateral within a, a certain contract. Is that correct? Yes. Exactly. That's uh, that's correct. Okay, and and uh, so when so when a user's trading these uh, different uh, contracts, they're earning U.S. dollars as their PNL, but they can choose to settle it in any of the major cryptos, not just the base or quote currency, but any asset that you're offering. Yep, that's correct. So when at the point where the user realizes his PNL. Uh, we'll take the prevailing rate for the crypto that he chooses to settle in and then convert that US dollar PL into the crypto that he, he wants. And what's the mechanics of this conversion? Is this performed on the spot market where the volume is public or is there back office uh, operations that aren't public that perform this? This happens on the back office. Okay, uh, it's interesting. Why, why don't you just route it on the spot exchange and then you'll generate volume there as well? Uh, that's also one of the possibility. It just depends on the inventory level that we have on the back office. Sometimes, perhaps, uh, we have some extra inventory that we can also use this to just uh, offload the inventory to. Right. Okay. So, uh, what are the fee structures on futures? Um... So, right now, the basic fee structure is uh, for maker is minus one, and then taker six basis points. And that's regardless of volume. 
Uh, correct. Currently, it is uh, regardless of volume, but um, with uh, the uh, Bitsy token coming up, we will uh, introduce a um, volume-based uh, program that's a uh, function of volume and also a function of the Bitsy token holding uh, that would dictate the uh, actual fee level for the user. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the token a bit later, but um, so, so which order types uh, do you guys offer? Um, do you have... Um... You know, stop loss, take profit, post only, reduce only, uh, hidden orders, OCO, uh, etc. Uh, we support most of the uh, major order types, so limit, uh, market, uh, OCO order. Um, we also support trigger orders, uh, trigger take profit and trigger uh, stop loss. Uh, we also support a special order type that's unique to uh, BitC. It's, uh, it's what we call an index order type, uh, which is basically you can float uh, a buy or sell order at some percent percentage point um, above or below the market. Okay, and what about algorithmic orders? Um, a lot of people like to use Bitfinex's uh, Honeybee's uh, uh, algo um structure where they can sort of perform their own uh they can they can create their own sort of order types uh, is there any plan for doing that yeah that's uh, also very interesting to us and so we uh we are also looking into something like that too and what are the margin requirements on the futures contracts do they vary by the pairs and do they vary by the size of the position are there position limits yeah, so it's uh, it's fairly standard. Um, for it depends on the market. So, for example, our uh, Bitcoin uh, our Bitcoin markets, including the perpetual and also the regular futures, uh, it's the typical. Uh, uh, the baseline is one percent initial margin and 05 percent maintenance margin. Uh, but it's also a function of your position limits too. So, the higher your uh, requested position limit is, then the higher your maintenance and initial uh, margin percentages uh, are going to be. Uh, but also it varies by market. So uh, ETH, uh, Litecoin, and other markets would have a higher uh, uh, initial and maintenance margin uh, percentages. Okay, so uh, you. But what is the maximum position size for Bitcoin? It's one million contract. Uh, so it's because it's a linear contract. So one contract represents. 0.001 BTC, so 1 million contract means it's 1,000 BTC position. Right, this is an important distinction that traders need to be aware of. Uh, this is not like BitMEX where the contract uh, is $1. Um, the PNL is the same in terms of uh, it's paying out and standardizing in dollars, but the contract specifications are that it's actually Bitcoin uh, value, not USD. Um, so, um, so again, about leverage and about isolated margin versus portfolio or cross margin, you offer the ability to use uh, one wallet that you put collateral in that covers all positions in any pair, but you can also isolate the margin into a specific pair. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right, and uh, what about sub-accounts? Do you offer um, the ability for users to have uh, you know, sub-accounts where there's like a master account that can manage uh, sub-accounts? This is uh, something that uh, we, we already have planned for, so it's in the development pipeline. So hopefully we'll get it uh, maybe in Q1, Q2. And okay, and the API-wise, you mentioned that there's co-location, uh, but what are the current rate limits that you have on the rest of WebSocket? John, you want to ask this question? Uh, yeah, the current rate limits, we're doing about 150 requests per second. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and let's talk about the risk management model that you guys use. Uh, so 1% initial margin and point. 5% maintenance margin, this is a pretty high leverage uh, offering that you have. Um, how do you manage the counterparty risk? Uh, do you have an insurance fund? Do you use auto deleveraging where you kick out a defaulted party and the, uh, the counterparty to this? Uh, uh, and how, how, how do you, what is your model for ADL if you do have this? 
So uh, because we accept uh, multi-asset collateral system, so in real time, we basically mark uh, the US dollar value of your collateral um, to a US dollar. That's how we calculate whether or not you have breached the maintenance margin requirement. And when that happens, a couple of things could happen. Um, the first thing is we will try to cancel your outstanding orders. Uh, that will free up some of the, the margin for uh, to support your position. If that still doesn't work uh, and your position basically needs to be liquidated, then we would, the first step is we'll try to liquidate on market uh, in the order book. Um, if that fails, uh, then we'll dip into the insurance fund, uh, use the insurance fund money to uh, improve and make the order more aggressive to a certain point. Uh, and I believe that's 1%. Um, if it goes beyond a 1% slippage, then that's when we would go into the ADL mode. So do you um, do you do a total liquidation once the they're breached if the one and the orders are cleared, or do you do partial liquidation until they're solvent and then let them keep part of the position open? Right now, it's total liquidation. And how is this insurance fund uh, funded? And is are you transparent about the amount in the insurance fund currently? Yes, we do have a that list the uh, insurance fund size. Uh, so the insurance fund is basically funded whenever there's a liquidation, uh, then we would collect the maintenance margin and put it into the insurance fund. And what logic are you using uh, algorithmically to determine which collateral uh, gets gets liquidated in terms of, I mean, I guess if you do a total liquidation, then all of it just gets wiped away. So there's no order of operations in terms of you know, Bitcoin first, then ETH, or, you know, quality of assets. Um, so, so I guess that's not, not, not relevant or. Yeah, so that's correct. So basically when the maintenance margin is breached, uh, because it's total liquidation, then by right, then the user equity actually goes to zero. So it's the, uh, it wipes the entire wallet. And for the ADL, what is the uh, logic or model that you're using to determine which counterparty uh, gets kicked out of position along with the defaulted trader? Uh, it's pretty standard. So we will look at, uh, you know, on the long side and the short side, we basically rank all of the positions. Uh, and that's based on a combination of uh, the PNL uh, in, uh, in percentage terms and also in terms of the leverage of the position. So the basic idea is really we try to uh, ADL positions that are highly levered or positions that are, you know, have uh, very much in the money. Okay, uh, let's talk about liquidity. Um, market making wise, um, how much of the liquidity is provided in-house by you guys and how much is provided by external actors um, and what sort of incentives do you, or market making programs do you have uh, to incentivize uh, liquidity from outside? So most of the, uh, the market making currently on the platform is all externalized. Uh, we do offer tailored programs um, for ones who are interested and, um, and want to subscribe to the uh, market making program. Could you describe uh, the market making program and uh, what sort of incentives you offer? Uh, it really depends. So when we speak, uh, uh, the guys who come to us usually, uh, it depends on the strategies that they have. Uh, some of the uh, the prop trading desks, if basically they're more maker, we do apply um, some targets and um, basically some fee structures that have to be achieved by hitting those targets. Okay, and uh, can you give us a rough idea of how many uh, external um, liquidity providers you have? Right now we have about five uh, liquidity providers. This is excluding the uh, the guys who just uh, come in and, and still uh, take advantage of the maker rebate. Right, but, but you do have an in-house market maker just to provide backstop liquidity, is that correct? Uh, no, we actually externalize that. So we work uh, closely with one of uh, uh, our partners uh, who you know we've known for quite a while. Okay. That's interesting because uh, most of the shops that uh, we've talked to, especially in the beginning, they, they provided in-house to ensure that they are not in a situation where 
the books are empty and, and everything. So you liquidate based on a mark price, is that correct? And, and what is this mark price formula? Um, so the mark yeah, Brian, go ahead. Uh, so the mark price quickly is uh, it's a fairly uh, uh, simple uh, weighted uh, average of uh, an external uh, spot index price plus um, uh, plus some base basis uh, that would re that would rep represent what the uh, market is on Bitsy. So. What prevents uh, you know the market makers who are dominating the the books from manipulating the mark price? Uh, so uh, one user in the, the text chat mentioned that there was uh, last October uh, an event where there was a massive wick that was totally disconnected from the market. And uh, how would this uh, affect the mark price? And uh, would users get liquidated unjustly because of it? So I think there are two parts uh, to, uh, to, to this question. So um, the first part is uh, why, you know, how, how do we protect the user, um, you know, if there are some dominant uh, traders on the platform? Uh, so the first thing is uh, the, uh, for this mark price, the, fundamentally, it really moves more in line with the spot uh, index price. So the spot index price on Bitsy, we are referencing um, uh, uh, right now, I believe it's six reference spot exchanges um, that are providing that reference uh, spot price, uh, at least for BTC, BTC USD. Um, so the second part uh, of this is um, the the issue. Uh, I think a couple months ago. Um, so that uh, actually, when we analyzed it, that was the day when the Coinbase uh, uh, feed uh, supplied some very erroneous uh, data. And they were on the same day. It caused uh, some some issues on uh, other exchanges as well. Uh, but based on after that day, we have implemented a change where uh, it, we used to only have uh, two reference uh, spot pricing uh, when we look at uh, uh, spot exchange pricing, and then we increase that to six. So uh, by right, then the, the the new mechanism should be much more stable. And then out of this six exchange, we actually drop the highest and the lowest uh, outliers in real time. Yeah, I think in general it's good to filter out that uh, data that comes in, and if there's a massive jump that is inexplicable, it should just be discarded. Um, so this leads me to um, a sort of puzzle that I've been wrestling with while looking at your exchange versus others. Um, if you if you look at the fixed maturity contracts, so not the perpetuals, but the March and June contracts, they're really underpriced compared to. FTX, Deribit, Bitmex, who offer the same contracts. Is there any explanation for why you guys are trading $200, $400 below uh, those uh, other exchanges for the March and uh, June contracts, respectively? We find that pretty interesting, too. Um, but ultimately, I think the, the market drives the price. So maybe for some reason, there is a bit more selling pressure on our exchange compared to other exchanges. Um, but I was also say this might be an interesting up opportunity to go long the busy contract and short the uh, June contract on other exchanges. Seems like a pretty low risk trade. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. I mean, is it a low risk trade? How big is your insurance fund? Because I think the the bigger the issue that I can imagine there, and I've analyzed this uh, quite a bit. Uh, the only issue I can think of that could come up is that the counterparty risk is higher on on BC. So if I'm pulling the trade on FTX um, and uh, you know I short uh, FTX and I long on Bitsy and and capture that $400 spread on the June contract, for example, or $200 spread on the March contract, um, then I might get ADL'd more likely on Bitsy than I would on on FTX, and this is all dependent upon the insurance fund size, which protects the user from ADL um, and the liquidity. So um, is, is, is there somehow higher counterparty risk on PC that would, uh, would be explaining this? Um, I think also one thing to point out, I do believe the, the, 
basis changes over time. So right now it does look like it's a bit low, um, but it possible it, it might go up uh, as time goes on. I think it really depends on the demand and supply. Uh, maybe John, you can provide some color on the insurance fund side. Uh, yeah, the, I, if I recall correctly, the insurance fund is about $1.8 million uh, worth right now. And the, and the open, and this is for all the positions, right? So what's the logic for how much of that insurance fund goes towards, say, Monero dollar futures versus Bitcoin dollar futures? Right now, there is no separation. The insurance fund is used in the interest of protecting um, all trades uh, on the platform. So it's just, um, it's shared globally. So, so it could get wiped out by the, I've been trading a bit on the Monero futures. And so you're saying that technically it could, uh, a big move on Monero could wipe out the insurance fund and then Bitcoin traders who are, who are being the spread then are more likely to get auto deleveraged. Yes, but, uh, at, and as um, uh, basically, as what Brian mentioned earlier, there's still a, a, a limited amount of how much um, the insurance fund would, would cover, right? Um, okay. Um, let's uh, move on to the token raise that you guys are, uh, are planning. Um, can you tell us a bit about how much you're planning to raise, uh, who the raise is uh, available to, uh, any kind of KYC restrictions you have on it, and um, and most mo most exchanges they use uh, Ethereum to run it, but you are using Liquid. Um, so can you talk a bit about this? Uh, yeah. So the the raise is currently uh, private. Um, we we are targeting to raise 50 million at this stage. Um, most of the um, if if you're familiar with there is a, an immediately available um, tradable allocation and that's been already uh, taken up. That's been all sold off. The allocation is for five million. Um, uh, we have had uh, some prominent names in there uh, who have actually invested in uh, in this. Uh, some names uh, include uh, Galaxy Digital, FBG, um, CMS Holdings, uh, Lemniscap, uh, Terion Capital, uh, quite a few. Um, so we are considering to do a public sale uh, first uh, in March. Uh, basically, that would be only when private sale ends, uh, which is end of uh, this month. As for KYC, um, KYC is definitely required for, for all participants. Uh, US is basically off the table, uh, but that's pretty much about it. For individual jurisdictions, we, we uh, have separate uh, requirements uh, that are basically detailed in the agreement. Okay, and uh, and why did you guys choose to use Liquid to run the token on? Um, Peter Peter Veal, who is uh, head developer of Bitcoin Core, um, has said that the Liquid tokens don't get the security of Bitcoin. They actually rely on just the security of the Liquid network itself. So what the, what are the pros and cons of using Liquid to run the token versus some other platform? Yeah, well, I'm. The my in my opinion the uh, the secure the security model of liquid um, although it's different to Bitcoin it doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, insecure or not as secure um, you know if you compare it to Ethereum the ERC twenty contracts right where it's different is that for liquid it relies on Bitcoin's uh, cryptography and uh, the Bitcoin script so you don't have that issue with uh, weird contract languages or unknown edge cases or potential attack services. Well, in the path, uh, in the past, uh, Ethereum has, you know, uh, has had quite a few incidents in regards to uh, insecure or contracting language. And one thing that we like about Liquid is the, uh, the, su the support for confidential transactions and assets. And that's also a plus, right? So essentially the block signer um, doesn't know what is actually signing. So it basically allows for the token type and the amount to be blinded. 
Okay, and the, what, what's the incentive structure for the token? Like, where's the value being derived? Uh, uh, do, you know, Binance and FTX have tokens that, they, you know, where they offer all kinds of different incentives to buy and burn and this and that. Um, what, what is the, the way that you are restricting supply and increasing demand in order to drive value into the token? Right, so what we see, um, the token is key to the development of uh, the future of BitC's ecosystem. The ecosystem covers not just the exchange, but actually a suite of services that we plan to introduce over time. So, um, sorry, one second. So, your question on uh, what the incentives are, uh, basically, we start off with uh, a buyback. A, a buyback uh, how? Excuse me, sorry. Uh, um, we, we have a buyback uh, that we would use a portion of revenues to constantly uh, buy back and burn tokens until uh, half the supply is uh, basically cut off. The other uses of the token uh, involves um, it being used as collateral that you can trade in spot and futures markets, uh, fee discounts, potential staking uh, capabilities. More importantly, um, also token holders would have access to special programs like uh, the pro trader program that we plan to introduce, access to some selective campaigns, uh, payment for services that would include say listings, co-location, enhanced data feeds, uh, advanced trading functions, as well as uh, higher limits. We plan, uh, down the road, we plan to introduce a debit card. So this is where you could uh, get higher limits on your debit card, you could get rebates, uh, you also enjoy higher referral bonus. Um, yeah. So in the coming weeks, we will be uh, releasing more information um, on the site about the benefits of the token. Okay, and so you mentioned referring users. You have a referral program. Like, can you talk about some of the like bonus uh, uh, programs you offer for promoting the exchange and the deposit bonus, trading competition, stuff like that? Uh, yeah, uh, Brian, do you want to take this? Yeah, so let me start with the referral program. So the referral program that we have, I think, is quite unique to uh, to Bitsy. Uh, so we have an unlimited uh, level uh, in the referral program. So basically, uh, you can earn 20% uh, of the people that you refer, but you also earn 10% uh, of uh, the people that uh, the, they refer uh, down the line. Um, so yeah so that's that's uh, basically our referral program uh, and people that you refer they get also a 20 percent of the trading fee uh, for 30 days so it's a multi-level um, referral program exactly and um, what about these other bonuses uh, like you have deposit bonus and uh, you get bonuses for tweeting about it and stuff like that uh, can you talk about these extras yeah, so we have a uh, retweet bonus uh, for our new users. So if you uh, tweet one of our um, one of the links that on on the BitC Twitter profile, then you get a, a ten dollar uh, trading capital that you can use to trade. Um, we also have a couple other bonus um, that are listed on the uh, on the website in the in the checklist. Um, and then this is something that we are constantly also adding additional uh, bonus into this list and to make it more attractive uh, for the users. On the trading competition part, we did a trading competition um, back in November when we launched the uh, main coin index future market with Brave New Coin. Uh, and then we will have another uh, trading competition coming up uh, sometime in uh, this month. And then we'll have furthermore uh, trading competition competitions coming up later okay cool so uh, finally um, my last set of questions regards your plans for the future um, do you plan on adding 
for example, the margin market for the spot exchange with uh, maybe peer-to-peer lending uh, or options contracts or other exotic derivatives like index uh, futures or um, CFDs or anything like that? Yeah, I think uh, on the... Go ahead, John. Uh, yes, yeah, so currently in the pipeline, we have a couple more interesting things. Um, we have an alt index with Brave New Coin that's coming up. Uh, we're looking to introduce um, more alt and uh, more alts to the uh, spot and derivatives market over the next quarter. Uh, we are also looking to add crypto back to trading CFDs. That's something that we hope to be able to uh, uh, deliver first half of this year, as well as uh, a debit card that can be funded in both uh, crypto and fiat. Sounds good, um, especially the CFD side of things. I think it would be interesting to have um, a place where you can trade all the other, like you know, currencies uh, using crypto and maybe even S and P and stuff like that. Um, so, Flipper, you wanna ask the couple of questions you had, uh, and then we'll open up to everybody else, or should I ask them for? Okay, mic disabled. Um, so uh, Flibber is asking that he keeps hearing about this one combined order book with any asset as collateral, which is unique amongst most exchanges. Well, FTX offers multiple collateral as well. I think that's the only other place. Uh, which is, uh, he says, this is interesting. Can you explain in basic terms with respect to risk management and liquidity how this works? So uh, the, the assets that we hold as collateral, uh, the first thing that I would uh, describe is the, the haircuts. That's actually where it's diff, uh, where diff, slightly different from FTX. So we mark our assets in real time um, to the market and we apply a, a tiered haircut. So for example, let's say uh, your, your position is in BTC. We would apply for your first 30 BTC, we would apply a 0.1% haircut. And for the next uh, 60 BTC, we would apply 0.15%. If I recall correctly, I think the haircut on FTX is what, 5% maybe? So, and we basically tier it. So we allow, this basically allows users to really maximize the value of the, uh, their collateral. And as for the liquidity, uh, we are plugged into uh, quite a few larger OTC desks uh, where we're then able to uh, do real-time asset liquidation uh, as needed. So um, there was a, a question on YouTube from uh, G. Locker. He was asking, are, are you doing any market making on the exchange? Um, You've mentioned that you have back office operations that handle the collateral and risk management, but are you uh, above and beyond that? Are you doing any market making whatsoever on the on the exchange yourself? No, no, we do not do any market making on the platform. That is all externalized. Okay, and Flibber asks, um, and this is nothing personal against Samsung, but he's saying he sees a lot of. Uh, shilling from Samsung Mao at Blockstream. Uh, he's saying, is he an advisor, an investor, a, pay, a paid shill? What is the connection uh, between Samsung and Blockstream and uh, and BT? And are there other paid influencers or anything like that? Uh, no. So, well, Samsung is not a paid influencer for us. Uh, you know, we started out when we met Samsung. It was at MCF. And I believe that Samsung is just genuinely interested um, in what uh, Bitsy is able to deliver and what Bitsy is, is about. Okay, um, so um, I'll change the talk power so that uh, the guys who have above 50 and can normally speak will uh, be able to ask their questions. Please do it in an organized manner and don't be a fucking troll. Okay, so the, it's open now to those who have talk power about 50. Uh, ask anything. Do, please don't repeat any of the questions that have already been asked. Uh, if you have something novel to add, please uh, jump in now.
I just enabled my mic here. I just want to say thanks for coming on, guys. You both spoke really well and very informative. I really appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, we're happy to be here and happy to, to share more um, with you guys on the platform. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. So no additional questions? Did, did I cover everything or what? I suppose there's no additional questions. Um, so um, thanks for, for coming on, guys, uh, and, uh, and being open uh, about uh, all the answers to different questions. Uh, it seems like a very promising uh, project you guys are involved in. Uh, it's nice to see Liquid getting uh, a bit of attention in terms of allowing the deposits and withdrawals on Liquid and running the token on Liquid. Um, there's one question that actually I, I forgot to ask regarding the token. Are you guys confident that it wouldn't be regarded as a security uh, and it would be passing the Howey test? Uh, yes, we've just got legal opinion uh, for uh, a utility token. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, okay, th I, there's one, one question. Uh, your opinion on decentralized exchanges. Uh, I mean, obviously you guys are... Um, crypto guys uh, who value decentralization and everything that comes along with it uh, so uh, what do you think about decentralized exchanges and whether this is going to damage your ability to compete in the future uh, i think decentralized exchanges they serve an entire different crowd and they serve a, a different purpose uh, of what we're trying to achieve here um, what we're trying to to build in this um, space is actually a suite of services that we are able to bring uh, cryptocurrencies into the traditional um, finance markets that most of uh, all financial services that most people are used to having right so uh, it serves a different uh, area and I do think that uh, there's no reason that the two um, can't you know work harmoniously uh, and be synergistic and are you going to be trading? Are you going to be allowing people to trade uh, STOs, security token offerings? There's a lot of people talking about that. Uh, no plans at this point, uh, is as it's under a separate uh, regulatory framework. Uh, from time to time, we, we will be reviewing what makes the most sense um, and then uh, we'll take it from there. What about the Bcash and the Bcash, Satoshi, Vision, are you going to allow people to, to short uh, these uh, on, on futures or you don't want to support them? Uh, unlikely for now, but as an exchange, we tend to remain uh, unbiased. But at this point, uh, we have no plans for, for that. And what is the what, what sort of criteria do you use for what assets would be added and which would not be added? So Monero's on there. But EOS isn't, for example. Uh, Tron isn't. Uh, what, what criteria do you use for which would pairs would be added to either the spot or futures side of things? Uh, so it comes down to the demand, the community, uh, partnerships. Uh, we, we do factor in quite a, a few things. A lot of, uh, you know, so as I mentioned earlier, we plan to introduce uh, more alts, uh, which you guys will be seeing over the next quarter. Uh, it's just that, uh, you know, prior to all of this, we've been very backed up, uh, ensuring uh, the platform is, you know, it's very reliable, it's secure, it has all the, the most critical functions there uh, before we look to focus on uh, listing more uh, alts. Okay, cool. Um, I think uh, that uh, covers everything. I don't think there's any more questions. So. Um... It's been a good hour. Thanks uh, for coming on and uh, being transparent and uh, interacting with the, the trading community. There's a lot of exchanges out there that don't have the balls to come out and actually have uh, you know unscripted direct questions uh, being fired. Uh, so it's uh, uh, we greatly appreciate uh, you guys coming on and uh, and wish you the best with the project and the token raise and uh, uh, hope that you guys make a bigger and bigger dent in the market share of the growing derivatives market in crypto. I appreciate it. You've been a you've been a great host. Uh, thanks to you guys for arranging this. Thanks, Swapman. Thanks, Flibber. Thanks, everyone. Uh, look forward to catching up again sometime.
Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. This has been a lot of fun. All right, that's it. Uh, that's uh, Bitsy, uh, the Spot and Futures uh, Exchange um, co-founders, uh, Brian and Johnny. Um, and uh, that's the end of, uh, of this uh, discussion. Thanks for everyone that came to listen on YouTube and, and on uh, TeamSpeak and contributing different questions. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.